Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. There is change in the air right here on the edge on this Friday evening. I'm Aaron Korolnik. Al's brother joins me in just a moment. We'll have the Big E, Eric Cohen, and Don Padula for their regular hits on Friday night. But let's start with the man with the turtleneck. He's known as Al's brother at TSN 1050, the real star of Overdrive. And the man who I like to call the human flamethrower of gambling success. Three picks in a row, Al's brother. You have nailed correctly after, what, 16 of 17 incorrectly? Is that number correct? It's somewhere in that in that yeah. range. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> we were on a cooler coaster of cooler coasters. Mm-hmm. I think we were one loss away from me, like ESPN, reaching out looking for an exclusive, to be quite honest with you. But it didn't happen. The Bills ended up covering for me against the, the Niners on the Monday yep. Nighter. And we've rolled that into the Ravens taking the win. And then last night, a big W again for Al's brother when uh, the Rams ended up with the victory so on a nice little streak here buddy i'm thrilled for you i know you've suffered many hardships and a lot of chirps from people i'm sure not only here at tsn 1050 but throughout your life so why don't we get right into it and we can debate whether or not your new three-game winning streak is meaningful or meaningless show me the meaning is this a meaningful stat? A meaningful, I took it about meaningful, add that word, meaningful. Or a meaningless number. Facts are meaningless. You can use facts to prove anything that's even remotely true. What do you mean? I would contend that when you lose 16 of 17 bets and then you win three in a row, I'm not sure I would quite call that a heater, but I'm thrilled for you nonetheless, and we're going to keep it rolling with the Pound the Table Picks of the Week coming up at the end of the show, and I've seen your picks. I like them. It's probably a bad sign for you because I actually had to remove the records of myself, you, and the grappler from our graphic because it's simply too embarrassing. This segment is... Meaningful stat or meaningless number, where I lay out some stats, and Al's brother has to articulate exactly what they mean, if anything. All right, let's start with the Seattle Seahawks. They are the seventh team in Week 14 since 2010 to be a double-digit favorite immediately after losing outright as a double-digit favorite. Seahawks lost to the Giants last week as a 10.5-point fave. Each of the previous six teams in this situation have covered the spread. Seattle is minus 13.5 points hosting the hapless New York Jets. Al's brother, does that mean anything to you? Are you asking me if I think they're going to cover the spread or if that specific stat is meaningful in my decision betting this game? Yes, so that stat would basically intimate that when you are a huge favorite and you lose outright, double-digit favorite and you lose outright in that game, you come back the next week and you lay a beating on on the next team you play, which is what I think Seattle's going to do personally. But do you think that stat has any merit, any psychological value? I don't think the stat has anything to do with it. I just think it's the fact they're playing the Jets. Like, yeah, they're just and... a terrible football team. Uh, if they're playing any other team, I would say this is a meaningless, very meaningless stat. Um, and and I, I've always been under the impression that when you take a look at teams, especially this is since 2010, you're talking about a decade's worth of teams, there's just so many discrepancies in who they're playing, you know, the rosters, the players, the coaches, the year. Uh, I, I just can't see how those stats are, are that meaningful. But if they're the question is, are they going to cover? I believe they will. Ooh, interesting. Perhaps a little side wager during a commercial break. But if we go back to last week, the story 
on Monday was Greg Williams and the the cover zero, the all-out blitz on the Hail Mary play that ultimately resulted in the Raiders beating the Jets. And there is some negative news if you're a Jets backer. Denzel Mims, their second-round pick wide receiver, will not play. Jamison Crowder was downgraded to questionable. He's been their best wide receiver. So you might be seeing a lot of Braxton Berrios and Jeff Smith running routes. And if you're a team like the Jets trying to keep up with the Seattle Seahawks, you might have some issues. More on that later. Let's get to another stat. Miami. They are catching seven points at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. Miami has the best cover percentage in the NFL this year. They are 9-3 and three against the spread, and over that span, Miami is 5-1 and one against the spread at home. Do those stats mean anything to you, Al's brother? I think they do mean something. Miami, they, they played very well at home, and they've been a hard-working team this year. Brian Flores has that defense uh, really cooking. And it, to me, it, it's really going to come down to what they can do offensively. And can that offense yeah. keep it to within seven points of, of uh, Patrick Mahomes? That I'm not too sure of. Uh, this is going to be a really tight game or uh a difficult game to bet on, but if it comes to meaningful or meaningless, I think it's meaningful because if if this was any other, if this was a road game, I think that for sure I am not thinking the Dolphins are going to cover the seven point spread. But because it's home and they played well at home, meaningful. Well, this game is very meaningful for these two teams in the standings. I think KC is smelling that number one seed in the AFC after Pittsburgh went down to Washington and Pittsburgh is visiting Buffalo this week. We're going to talk about that a lot later. But you look at Miami, who's 8-4. and four. They have a chance in the AFC East. And you look at the way that the standings break down, a tough schedule down the stretch. But again, the Buffalo-Pittsburgh game could go a long way in deciding. I just struggle seeing the the matchup Patrick Mahomes versus Tua Tungavailoa. The offense, is it really going to be there for Miami? And I know the narrative with Brian Flores, who's the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, was the de facto defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, who opposed Patrick Mahomes twice and beat Patrick Mahomes twice. But it's not like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs didn't put up much offensively in those games. There were some significant point totals. So I would not be ruling out another one for the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Let's wrap with this one. The New York Giants, 8-2 and two against the spread as an underdog this season with seven straight covers. Each of the last three times it has been a dog, it won outright, including last week, as we mentioned, as a 10.5-point underdog at Seattle. Meaningful or meaningless, the Giants' performances as underdogs this year? I think it's definitely meaningful, specifically because we're talking about the team that's here tonight. And, and what it really tells me is how much of an underdog this team is and how badly the sports books believe that this team is compared to what the output they're actually putting forward. This team has changed a lot since the beginning of the year. It's, they were a pretty young team, especially along the offensive line, their defense. They had a new coach. They had to, you know, kind of wrinkle out some of the issues that come with having those things. And I think that they've done a pretty good job of uh, changing the narrative around this team. And you look at how well they've played uh, as, as dogs. They've kept things pretty close. They've even been able to win some, you know, on the money line too case in point last week against seattle Mm -hmm. so i think certainly this is definitely a meaningful stat we'll get to in out or iffy in just a moment where daniel jones the quarterback for the giants will be prominently featured but you look at kyler murray and i heard you talking on overdrive i was brother about kyler murray 
he has not even been close to what he was early on. You look at the rushing totals in the last four weeks since he suffered that shoulder injury. He's not running the ball, whether he's scared to do it or simply not willing to do it. Kyler Murray's not running the ball, and that dimension of the offense that's missing is huge for them. Yeah, and I also saw a... Uh one of those graphs that they do where they show the routes running, I forget what they're called, like next-gen stats graphs. Mm-hmm. And I saw one of DeAndre Hopkins, the three games since that game against the Seattle Seahawks. He hasn't run a route of more than 10 yards since then. And you're going to tell me that has nothing to do with Kyler Murray's shoulder and the fact that he might not be able to throw the deep ball right now. I think that does say something. But like I said on Overdrive, it's been three weeks now uh, hoping that he is healthy and will start to look a little bit more like the Kyler Murray that we saw back in earlier in the season when he was an MVP candidate. For sure, and the cards are favored by two and a half at the Giants. We'll talk about that game with Don Padula in about 20 minutes' time. It's fantasy playoffs week one, well, week 14, but the first week of fantasy playoffs, they began last night with the Rams, and if you had Cam Akers, you're thrilled. If you had anyone on the Patriots, probably not as happy. Let's get to in, out, or iffy. Don't let an injury hurt your fantasy week. Know who to go with and who to sit. This is in, out, or iffy. So good news for fantasy owners of Mike Evans. Bruce Arians, the Tampa Bay Bucks coach, said he is fine for week 14 after missing practice on Thursday. You're going to start Mike Evans. He's a touchdown machine for the Bucks coming off a bye. Chris Carson, removed from the Seahawks injury report. He will play in week 14 against the Jets. You're not going to find a better matchup for any running back at home than against the New York Jets. And the Jets have given up the most running back receptions this season as well. So if you're in a PPR league, Chris Carson will have a big, big game. Brandon Cooks, Kiki Cutie. Houston Texans wide receivers will be in the lineup, both limited this week. But they have been a dangerous duo for Deshaun Watson, the Texans at the Bears this weekend. Out this week. Crippling for those who own Christian McCaffrey. Barely played all year. Looked like he was going to make a return. But he tweaked a quad over the course of the week in practice. He will not be out there. Mike Davis, a decent option, but there is no replacing fantasy's best player in McCaffrey. Particularly disappointing to me is Julio Jones. He's out again, and man, Julio Jones is made of glass. His fourth full absence of 2020. He was a beast last last week. He ran 94% of routes, and something happened over the course of the game, or at some point you can tell the distress in my voice how disappointed I am that Julio will not be there for me in my biggest time of need. And Antonio Gibson is out. He was a beast on Thanksgiving for the Washington football team against the Cowboys, but you're going to be seeing a lot of J.D. McKissick and Peyton Barber for the Washington football team. Iffy, and there's a lot of iffies this week. We're going to focus on three. Josh Jacobs. The Vegas Raiders stud running back did not play last week. He has an ankle injury, and John Gruden said they will see how Jacobs is feeling on Saturday before making a final decision. I think Jacobs ultimately suits up, as you saw him make limited appearances on Thursday and Friday in practice. Daniel Jones, the quarterback for the Giants, not necessarily fantasy relevant, but if you have have Evan Ingram or Wayne Gallman, you're going to want to notice if Jones is in there because he's significantly better than Colt McCoy. And Daryl Bevel said DeAndre Swift trending toward playing in Week 14. DeAndre Swift is an absolute stud. It might not be in the final three weeks of the season, 
or it might not be next year, but at some point in time, DeAndre Swift is going to be a superstar running back in the National Football League. A superstar on TSN 1050 and a superstar on TSN Edge. The Big E, Eric Cohen, makes his return next to the show. The song is Lionized, an iconic track by the Tragically Hip, and we bring in an iconic guest here on the edge on TSN 1050. It is Eric Cohen, the Big E. Good evening, Big E. What's happening? Not much. How are you, Aaron? Fantastic. I hope you like the introduction. I know you're I very particular. It. Okay. I All right. Love good. It. Uh, yeah. You, you know what? <laughs> the, the way that you get to me, like, you know, before the break, I can't ask for anything better, my friend. I mean, I've been doing this for a couple decades, and I'm not sure I can remember a host that uh, gave me such wonderful introductions. So I appreciate well, it. I, uh, I'm glad I can do something well. And you mentioned, <laughs> um, and you, you mentioned some some big some big things happening in the NFL world. Yeah. A bunch of great games, but I think we have to start with Sunday night. I know you're a Bills fan. It's the game of the week. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. And this has been a weird game from a betting standpoint in that the line opened with the Steelers, I believe, my, minus two and a half points. And now that line has completely shifted to the other side yeah. with Buffalo as a two and a half point favorite. What do you make of that line movement? And what do you make of the handicapping of this game, Biggie? Well, we shouldn't be surprised by the line movement because what happens in the NFL is everybody remembers what they just saw. And what we just saw was basically both of these two teams playing on Monday night, and you couldn't possibly have different outcomes, right? The Steelers uh, were a touchdown favorite against Washington, had a 14 nothing lead, looked to be in cruise control. Washington lost maybe their most dynamic player in their running back, and you talked about him in the first segment there, Antonio Gibson, uh, to, a, to a toe injury. He didn't play the rest of the game, and somehow Washington found a way to come back and win that game. And the Bills, on the other hand, in probably one of the fishiest lines we've seen all year, were an underdog on a neutral field to a undermanned 49ers team, and the Bills really had their way with them. I mean, the Niners scored in their first uh, after the you know the fourth and goal. They didn't score, but they had the seven nothing lead after that. And then the Bills fumbled, and you know things looked didn't, weren't looking good. But really, you know, after the fumble and after after the Bills got on the board, they completely dominated that football game from. Uh, pretty much every facet. So, you know, the Bills look great. The Steelers didn't look good, and that's what we remember. And all of a sudden, now you got a five-point shift in the line, uh, whereas instead of the Steelers being the two-and-a-half-point favorite, it's the Bills being the two, two-and-a-half-point favorite. And I think the line movement is right. I mean, you look at these two teams, and I think they're trending in different directions. You know, I, what's happened to Pittsburgh isn't their fault. You know, really, you got to actually really feel bad for them because twice now – they have been the victim of another team's COVID outbreak. First, it was Tennessee, and the Tennessee-Pittsburgh game had to get moved all over the place, and Pittsburgh lost their bye. Pittsburgh found a way to win that game. And then the Baltimore situation where the, you know, the game is supposed to be played on, on Thanksgiving night. Instead, it's postponed three different times to be played Wednesday afternoon so we could watch Trees Light. Um, you know, and, and you know, the Steelers didn't play well in that game against a, you know, a D team that the, that the Ravens put in the field. And then, you know, Mike Tomlin tears a strip out of them. They come back on a very short week against Washington, and I mentioned what happened in that game. And uh, it, so, you know, they've they've really been victims of two COVID outbreaks to two different other teams, Baltimore and Tennessee. It's put their whole schedule and their whole um, practice schedule and when they play and everything else all out of whack. And now here we go again. They got to play a primetime game a week later. Um, 
but they just haven't looked good in a couple weeks. So I think I think that's why you've seen the line movement. Uh, Josh Allen's never played better than he played on Monday against San Francisco. So really everything seems to be in the Bills' favor right now. Buffalo's getting healthier on defense. Uh, you know, they got Milano back last week. Um, you know, the Bills showed they could run the ball. Singletary did a nice job after you had the fumble from Moss early in that game. Right now, and, and if you look at it, Pittsburgh can't run the ball. Pittsburgh hasn't been able to run the ball the last couple of weeks. Now, they do get James Conner back. Yeah. He's missed the last two weeks with COVID. Uh, that'll help because uh, Snell wasn't getting it done for them at all, especially in the Washington game. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you look at everything in this game, and I, I think pretty much everything tells you that Buffalo should win. I mean, they're at home. They're in better form. Um, you know, the one thing you worry about, obviously, is that you don't want to read too much on what you just saw, and if you're just doing that, then, you know, you're de- you're definitely you don't love having to lay points at Buffalo, but as long as they win by a field goal, you're good. I, I like the Bills here, even though it won't surprise me if you get a much better effort out of the Steelers than we, what we've seen against the Ravens and the football team the last two weeks. Yeah, a lot of injuries for the Steelers on defense as well. Yeah. Bud Spillane won't be in there. Uh, Devin Bush got hurt a, c- a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you see Bud Dupree. Right. A lot of injuries in the in the linebacking core for the Steelers, which could be uh, problematic for a Bills team, which seems to be hitting its stride on offense. Let's talk about the New York Giants, who are the class of the NFC East, if you want to call them that at this point. They're coming off that big win against the Seahawks in Seattle last week, and they are two-and-a-half-point dogs at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals have been terrible. They really should be losers of the last five. If it wasn't for the Hale-Murray, they would be losers of their last five, and we talked about Kyler Murray and his shoulder earlier in the program. Do you agree with that line? Do you think the Giants should be the underdogs to the Cardinals at this point? I do, um, especially if Colt McCoy plays. I mean, you know, going into last week in Seattle, no quarterback had a worse ATS record than Colt McCoy um, for a guy who's played at least 20 games, over 25. You talked about that last week. It was, I think he had, what, seven wins and 25 starts? Uh, yeah, against the seven, uh, seven and 21. Right? Seven and 21, yeah. yeah awful. But I think it looks like Daniel Jones is going to play. He did get in limited practices. He's listed as questionable. So I'm under the impression that you'll see Jones under center. Will you see the normal Daniel Jones, a guy who could scramble, who could make plays in the pocket with his legs? That remains to be seen. Well, it's funny you say that, right, because that's the issue with, with Arizona, right? Because Kyler Murray is playing, but it's not the normal Kyler Murray. He hurt his shoulder in the Seattle game a couple weeks ago at night. You saw it, right? They kept on working on his shoulder, and uh, they were they were asking, you know, they kept asking, and you know, Kingsbury wouldn't give up any information. But it's clearly he's not a hundred percent. It's clear that he does not want to run and take any sort of big hits to that shoulder. Uh, and if you watched. Arizona played the last couple of weeks, certainly, uh, you know, against the Rams, they got off to a nice start, then really they, they couldn't generate much anything of anything. And then the week before against New England, I thought they were the better team, but they just kept making mistakes, and you could see that Murray um, was very limited with what he was able to do based on what, you know, Murray was doing before the injury. You talked about the Hail Mary game against Buffalo. You know, Murray was healthy for that game, and, you know, he was able to make that throw to Hopkins. He was able to extend plays with his legs, do a lot of things that we're not seeing out of him right now. But that being said, he's had a week to get healthier. If uh, if Daniel Jones is not 100%, and I can't imagine he would be, right? I mean, he's been practicing in a in a limited capacity, That uh, is what Joe Judge has been saying. Uh, I, I do think Arizona is probably 
the play here, but it's not a play I like. Um, it's not one, my, not one of my top plays, but if you you know if you said you got to pick one of these two teams, if you're in a pick 'em pool or whatever, I do think that Arizona's in a better spot to win than New York right now. The Big E, Eric Cohen, is our guest here on The Edge, live on TSN 1050s from TSN Edge. And one of your plays, Big E, is the Washington football team at the San Francisco 49ers. Washington are three-point, three-and-a-half-point dogs. And Alex Smith faces his old team in San Fran. What do you make of this line? Yeah, I really like um, Washington a lot. You know, if if I were to tell you that, you know, the football team, who is five and 5-7, has a better points for points against um, average than the Cleveland Browns, who are nine and three. You'd think, what are you talking about? But that's true. Like Washington is the only team that has scored more points than they've given up in the NFC East. They've, uh, which is crazy. And then you look at the Browns, who are nine and three, and they have given up fifteen more points than they've scored. So. You know, Washington has really come on. I mean, they have they have been really, really good. They're not a fluke. I mean, they just dismantled Dallas on Thanksgiving. We talked about what they did against Pittsburgh on Monday night. They're they're doing a lot of things well. Uh, you know, Alex Smith gets a lot of credit because he's a great story. Uh, you know, coming back from what he came back from, and plus the fact he started the season as the third string quarterback there. Uh, but. You know, it's it's their it's their defense. It's putting pressure on the quarterback. It's running the ball. Now they won't have Gibson this week, but you know they still have Barbara McKissick who can get it done in that role. Um, McLaurin is a, is a, just an outstanding wide receiver. He didn't have a great game against Pittsburgh, but he's had a, an incredible season for them. And Ron Rivera's changed the culture. You know, you look at the NFC East and. The two teams that were supposed to be the bottom feeders, the Giants and, and the football team, have won a combined seven straight games. Like, the division's not a laughing stock anymore. These are two decent teams now uh, because, you know, Joe Judge and Ron Rivera both took the jobs this year and have just completely changed what was going on with those two teams based on where they've been. And then you look at the other two teams in the division, they're gong shows, right? Philadelphia and Dallas. You know, McCarthy is the butt of all the jokes. They lose Dak Prescott. They can't stop anything in Dallas, Philadelphia. Doug Peterson's under fire now. Carson Wentz has been benched. We don't know if he'll ever get back to where he was when he was an MVP a couple years ago before his injury. So those two teams are are just write-offs right now, whereas the Giants and the football team are are doing a lot of really good things. And I like Washington a lot. I don't get the line. Why are you getting three-and-a-half points here against, again, an undermanned, beat-up San Francisco team? On a neutral field, it's not like the game is at yeah. Levi Stadium. It's at a neutral field, so uh, I think I think you got a real shot with Washington winning outright here. I and mean, I think a team can win outright. You're going to give me three and a half points. I think it's a really good bet. Washington has uh, won three in a row, and and it's not a fluke. They're playing really, really good football. Biggie, two teams that are not playing good football: the Denver Broncos, who've lost four of their last five games, and the Carolina Panthers, who have lost six of their last seven games. So. Two teams that are certainly subpar, but you like the Denver Broncos over Carolina. Why is that? Well, Carolina, the latest team now with with the COVID uh, situation, another outbreak in the NFL happened to Carolina on their bye week. Uh, terrible bye week, right? Because, you know, it's being talked about that this happened at some sort of a gathering. So obviously some rules were broken here. Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, who was supposed to come back, he's not coming back now. 
Um, Teddy Bridgewater's already had one injury this year, and so he, you know, he's still not 100% even after bye. And, and the, the COVID outbreak, you know, two of the players um, that fell victim to this are, you know, two of their three best wide receivers. Robbie Anderson seems okay, but the other two, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, are part of this group. So they, they're facing all sorts of uncertainty going into this football game. Denver already had this. They went through this a couple weeks ago when, you know, uh, all four of their quarterbacks were out, and it was a you know unwinnable situation for them. But at least for oh, Denver, yeah. you know, Drew Locke never got the virus. He was just around someone who had it, and he played. I thought he played pretty well. But Denver competed really well against the Chiefs last week. Uh, they beat the Dolphins a couple weeks ago, so I think they're playing better. And you know, Denver doesn't have any of the issues right now that Carolina has. So. Uh, I did. I really like Denver when you get those three and a half points. Now it's been hard to get this line, right? Like, I mean, that's the thing about 2020. A lot of lines get taken off. I mean, I noticed before we went on the air they took off the Packers Lions line, which I'm not really sure why because I don't. I haven't heard anything about Rodgers or Stafford. I know the Lions. You know, Galladay's out, and you mentioned Swift is probably coming back, but I can't see why that would take that line off the board. Um, but yeah, I, I think based on what Carolina has gone through. And what they're up against this week, I think Denver getting points is the smart play here. Big E, love your picks, love your work on TSN Edge. We look forward to having you back on the show in the very near future. Enjoy the weekend, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Aaron. Much appreciated. All right. That is Eric Cohen, one of the key contributors to TSN Edge. Make sure to check out TSN Edge on Twitter and at tsn.ca slash edge. The man who runs the show. At TSN Edge, his name is Don Padula, is the executive producer of the entire platform. He's going to join us next. We'll talk about Jalen Hurts and Week 14 in Survivor Pools, down to the nitty-gritty. We'll find out who he has to advance. Back here on the Edge on TSN 1050, I'm Aaron Korolnik. Don Padula, the executive producer of TSN Edge, joins us in just a moment. But let me give you a little bit of the behind the scenes, how we do radio in the time of coronavirus. There's a Zoom chat going on between Al's brother and myself. I'm privy to his conversations he has with guests. So I see Al's brother pick up the phone, talk to Dom. He's like, yeah, Dom, on a little bit of a heater right now. Hit all my props last night. It's almost embarrassing for you, Al's brother, considering you went 16 for 17. Well, the reverse, 1 for 17 uh, prior to this three-game winning streak. But I'm still happy you're happy and uh, I love you, buddy, so that's all I need to say. Well, I haven't had a chance to gloat in weeks, so the one time I get a chance to, i got to take my opportunity, right? All right? A man who posts consistent winners. There's no hot streaks, there's no cold streaks, it's just pure winners, is Dom Padua, the executive producer of TSN Edge. Good evening, Dom. Good evening, and hey, shout out to Al's brother. I mean, it's an impressive <laughs> run when he goes six for six in one night. Got to give him credit where he deserves it. It's uh it was a lot of a uh, lot of interesting takes throughout the stretch of the cold streak, but we need mm-hmm. to turn it around with a six for six night. No one's gonna remember the cold streak, so way well, to get back on track. I want to see the bet slips before I congratulate Al's <laughs> brother. I'm rolling my eyes on his three dollar wagers, but you know, congrats nonetheless. Let's get into week fourteen, and I think a game a lot of people are going to be eyeing is the debut of Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles there in New Orleans to play a top defense in the NFL. And the Eagles are, section no, they're in Philly. Is it in Philly or is it in New Orleans? Yeah, this one's in Philly. 
it's in Philly, so um, seven-point dogs are the Eagles. What do you make of Jalen Hurts' opportunity this week uh, as a dog, a touchdown dog against a top defense, and which side are you leaning, Dom? Uh, I don't know how great of an opportunity it is. And I, when I looked at the schedule, I was trying to figure out why Doug Peterson made the decision to go with Jalen Hurts when he, when he did. It's not like they're coming off a bye week. It's not like they're playing the Cowboys. Or even when you look at earlier on the schedule, a couple of weeks ago when they played the Seahawks, they're playing the top-ranked defense in the NFL. And they're playing a team that has the best point differential on the road this season. So it's not a good spot at all for Jalen Hurts as far as I'm concerned. And for as bad as Carson Wentz was for the Eagles, I really would have liked to see the coaching staff try to make some adjustments around him and sort of give him a chance to turn things around. He, he Look, it's week 14, and, and they're only making a move now, but this is a guy that signed a $128 million extension in the offseason. He got $100 million guaranteed. You don't give a guy a contract like that unless you're confident that he can lead you to a Super Bowl. And so when you look at what's gone wrong for the Eagles this season, I know that they've had some injuries. I know especially at wide receiver, they've been missing some guys, having guys shuffle in and out of the lineup, and that certainly hasn't helped. Carson Wentz, to, for, you know, as far as he's concerned, he hasn't looked great either, and maybe that's why they're making the move now. But to do it in a week where you have one of the best teams in the NFL coming into town and the top-ranked defense in the NFL, it doesn't look like a good spot for Carson uh, for Jalen Hurts, especially when you consider if things go wrong for the Eagles in this game, and there's a good chance that they will, you know, where does Doug Peterson go from there after making the move from Wentz to Hurts? So, Listen, I understand uh, that Wentz hasn't been the best quarterback in the NFL this season. That's clear. But you gave this guy a lot of money to pull the switch and make the move to Hurts. So uh, I'm leaning towards the Saints. As, as long as it stays around seven or less, I'll probably be on New Orleans this week. Dom, another team that made a quarterback change this season is the Miami Dolphins going from Fitzpatrick to Tua Tungavailoa. And it's worked out really well. The Dolphins are 8-4, and four, but... The challenge they face this week is unlike anything they've probably seen this year. Of course, the Kansas City Chiefs coming to town. The Chiefs are favored by seven, and we know the history of Brian Flores, the head coach of the Dolphins, against Patrick Mahomes, 2-0 and as the defensive coordinator um, of the Patriots against Mahomes, uh, certainly in the playoffs and in the regular season. How do you view this game, and do you think the Dolphins' offense is going to be able to keep pace with the Chiefs' offense? Well, it's an interesting spot for sure because, on one hand, I haven't been very impressed at all with Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, when he's gotten the opportunities to play, he hasn't really looked that, that good. I, I went back and watched that game against Cincinnati last week in the first half. I was actually surprised Byron Flores didn't make a change. I mean, it, it's one thing to look at the numbers and say that he struggled, but when you go back and you watch the film and you see him throwing balls over the middle where he doesn't even notice the linebacker dropping back into coverage, and they should, they're balls that should be picked off, you, you, you start to wonder if he's mentally ready for the opportunity uh, coming off the bench and starting in his first year. Now, that said, he did have a better second half uh, against Cincinnati, and they win the game. Uh, overall, record looks pretty good, thanks in, part, uh, in large part because of that defense. Um, but on the other hand, I look at what the Kansas City Chiefs have done of late, and they haven't been impressive at all. I mean, look, they've won four straight games, and, and you know what? To go 4-0 over any stretch is good for an NFL team, but by the Chiefs' standards, they haven't covered in four straight. You know, 33 against Carolina, but they only win by two. 35 against Vegas, they only win by four. They don't cover against Tampa in a three-point win. And then last week they played the Broncos, and they're 
They're two-score favorites. They win by six. The offense goes 0 for 6 in the red zone. We know the Chiefs have the ability to turn it on at any given moment. They're a big play team. They lead the league in touchdowns from outside of the red zone. they got countless playmakers and the best quarterback in the NFL. But the lack of consistency, it's a bit concerning if you're going to be putting your money down on them um, as anything more than a touchdown favorite, especially against uh, one of the best teams in the NFL covering the spread this season in the Dolphins, who even with Tua Tagovailoa, have been pretty good. So uh, I'm not going to touch that game. I I don't like betting against the Chiefs because of that big playability, and and Patrick Mahomes is pretty good at covering the spread throughout his career up until a few weeks ago. But, again, they haven't covered in four straight. They've been playing a lot of close games, and Miami's played well. So with Miami giving up, uh, with Miami getting a touchdown, I'm not willing to bet on KC, and I'm not willing to bet against them. So I'm just going to stay away from that game. And for those looking for a trend in that game, Miami is 9-3 and three against the spread this season. That is the best mark in the National Football League. So, Dom, the Tampa Bay Bucks coming off a bye, a week 13 bye. That's a late one by any, st- any standard. And they're hosting the Minnesota Vikings, a team coming off pretty brutal performance against the Jacksonville Jaguars last week. A game they were favored by 10 and barely won. How do you view Tampa at this point in the season, and how do you view their chances of covering the six and a half against the Vikes? Yeah, you know that bye, they could have used it a couple of weeks earlier going into those games against the Rams and the Chiefs, two pretty good teams and two pretty tough matchups for the Bucks. Um, going into this week, I think coming off of bye, the one thing that Tampa Bay really had to address was the ability to protect Tom Brady. Everybody knows Brady's susceptible to pressure. He's 43 years old. He's still pretty good when he has time, but he's going to struggle when he's under pressure. So fortunately for Tampa Bay this week, Minnesota's defense is one of the worst in the NFL at getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. The Vikings have been terrible recently defensively despite a relatively soft schedule of opposing offenses. Um, and so now this week they get the, the Bucks coming off the bye week, you know, an extra few days to prepare for uh, what should be a pretty good matchup for Brady, get on the same page as, Antonio Brown, who they worked into this offense in recent weeks, and then Chris Godwin coming back from the finger injury. I think this is a really good spot, a get-right spot for Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay offense, and I think it's going to be important for the Buccaneers' defense to also show up this week. They were outstanding earlier on in the season. I mean, they didn't play the toughest schedule of opponents after the Saints, but they were pretty good. Uh, the last few weeks has been kind of the opposite um, so it's going to be an important spot for them to really uh, step up and, and make a statement against, against Kirk Cousins. Dom Padula from TSN Edge is our guest here on TSN 1050. Dom, every week we talk about our survivor pools and advice for our listeners. I know it was a difficult one for you last week. I follow you on Twitter. I saw your tweets. I apologize for your losses. The Seahawks are not in your good books, clearly after what they did to you last week, but this week they have a cake matchup against the Jets. I think most people, if not all people, with the Seahawks available will use them, but if you didn't have the Seahawks, which team would you lean to? Uh, I mean, that's a good question, and to your point, last week was absolutely one of the most horrendous beats I, I think I've ever had to deal with, like watching that Seahawks team absolutely. So oh. When they went into the half and they were up 5 nothing, I, I was already wondering what was going on. And then sitting down and watching that second half, that was really hard to stomach. Um, to your point, most people will go back to the Seahawks this week, and it makes sense. They're a double-digit favorite. It's a get-right spot against the Jets. No excuse. 
And let's face it, the Jets don't really want to beat anybody, regardless of what anybody tells you. Um, if I don't go to the Seattle Seahawks this week, I'll take a long look at the Titans. Uh, obviously, the Titans are right there in the thick of that uh, AFC playoff race. They need a win this week. If you still have the Chiefs, look, the Chiefs, I don't think, now that they've moved into that first spot in the AFC after the Steelers lost, now the favorites to win the conference, I, I think that they're going to be pretty good the rest of the year knowing what's at stake with the bye and uh, home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So I think Kansas City might actually be a pretty good spot for those that have um, have them left. And if you don't have Seattle, you don't have Tennessee, you're not interested or you've already taken the Chiefs, I think another option is obviously the Packers. I mean, yeah. Detroit, everyone was talking about, you know, if you watched that game last week, Chicago had them on the ropes. Mitch Trubisky finally seemed like he was going to put together a mistake-free game. He fumbles right there at the end. They end up losing. Uh, that's not going to happen against Aaron Rodgers. He should have no problem torching that defense. So I think if I don't take Seattle and I don't take Tennessee, I don't have the Chiefs available, maybe this is the week you take the Packers if you still have them. Yeah, Rodgers 16-5 and five in his career against the Detroit Lions. And, man, Rodgers and Devontae Adams, that duo has been absurd. Devontae Adams has a touchdown in seven straight games. And against a exploitable Lions secondary would not surprise me in the slightest if that was eight straight. Dom, a pleasure as always. I wish you better fortune this week in your survivor pools than you had last week. And good luck in the TSN Edge fantasy playoffs. I know you have a tough matchup with Laura Dykin, and I'll be watching closely in hopes that you lose because, again, you have a great team. <laughs> I appreciate it, but don't worry. I'll take care of business this week, and I hope Laura's listening. Yeah, all right. She always listens, if not the podcast, the podcast. Thank you, Dom. All right, have a good one, guys. All right, that is Dom Padula from TSN Edge. Man, Survivor Pool's getting down to the end. In week 14, I know in mine, where it started with 363 teams, we're down to 37. So we're down to 90% of teams almost have been eliminated, and the big money remains for... Just a select few, including myself. On the subject of big money, you're going to want to lay down big money on the picks of Al's brother. The pound the table picks of the week with just myself and Al's brother, the grappler. Apparently busy tonight. I don't know what he could be doing. Maybe we should get the police over to his house because maybe violating COVID protocols. Just kidding, grappler. Just kidding. We'll be back next with the pound the table picks of the week. Hammering home conviction. Stop the hammering. It's the pound the table picks of the week. Where's the hammer? On the edge with Aaron Karolnik. Okay, we do this every Friday evening. It's the Pound the Table Picks of the Week here on The Edge on TSN 1050. I'm Aaron Karolnik. He's Al's brother and the grappler. Unfortunately, unable to join us tonight. Was not given a particular reason why, but hopefully all is well in the grappler household. His picks this week are the Green Bay Packers, minus eight, against the Detroit Lions and the Houston Texans, minus two. Al's brother, how do you evaluate the grappler's picks? I think we should just give him an zero and two record for not being great to make his picks. I think agreed. I, I I do like the Lions plus the eight this week. I think DeAndre Swift playing is a huge difference compared to what they throw out there with Adrian Peterson and Carryon Johnson. DeAndre Swift is going to be a star and a star as early as this week against the Packers. All right, let's get to our picks. Our pound the table picks of the week. Why don't you begin with your first pick, Al's brother? 
All right, I will, and uh, I'm taking the Colts minus three over the Vegas Raiders. I think this is a bit of a soft line for this game. Vegas has been trending downward, and the Colts are just flat out a better team. It looks like Anthony Costanzo is going to be getting back this weekend. Bobby Okariki expected to play as well. So the Colts are getting healthy at the right time. Rookie running backs have really started to take on a larger role these past couple of weeks. Look at what J.K. Dobbins did, K. Makers last night. It's Jonathan Taylor's turn, and the Raiders allowed over 200 yards rushing last week to the Jets. Look for Indy to keep the ball on the ground early and often. I think Jonathan Taylor has a massive breakout performance this week. T.Y. Wow. Hilton, he's starting to find himself, too, in the receiving game. That's huge for Phil Rivers in that Colts offense. And I just don't see Vegas keeping up with Indy, especially with that stout defense that's just getting healthier. And if Josh Jacobs misses this game, that's uh, going to be bad news bears for them. So I'm taking the Colts minus three as road favorites as my first pound-the-table pick of the week. Dude, I'm going up against Jonathan Taylor in fantasy. I hope he doesn't have a breakout. He's been terrible all year, and everyone went, um, what, what was his name? Marlon Mack went down early on in the season. Everyone thought Taylor was going to emerge as a star. Did not happen. Okay, my first pound the table pick of the week is the Seattle Seahawks. And yes, I'm going back to the well. I took the Seahawks last week against the Giants, minus 10. And this week, I'm taking them minus 13.5 against the Jets. The Jets are missing Denzel Mims. The Jets probably will be missing Jamison Crowder. So that's two of their top three wide receivers. Braxton Berrios, Jeff Smith equals bad offense. That's a fact. Seattle also, the seventh team since since 2010 to be a double-digit favorite immediately after losing outright as a double-digit favorite. Each of the previous six covered. The Seahawks make it seven. I'm taking them minus 13.5 against the Jets. Your second pick, house brother. And with my second pick, I'm patting the table for Washington, plus three and a half on San Francisco. The game is on a neutral site. And if I said going to week one that I was going to be backing the Washington football team over San Francisco, you'd probably think that I was crazy. But Alex Smith has really made this offense look rather respectable. Losing Antonio Gibson is going to hurt. But they showed last week, especially in the second half, that they can move the ball without him. And they did that against the Steelers, who boast a pretty good defense. Uh, defensively, Washington, they're the fourth ranked in the league. They shut down Pittsburgh's short work passing attack last week. I think they'll do the same this week to try and neutralize Debo Samuel. And if you do that, it makes it a little tougher for San Francisco to move the ball. They'll try running it, which is their bread and butter, but that hasn't gone too well for teams facing Washington the past couple of weeks. They gave up just 45 yards last week, 60 the week before that, and just 70 yards the week before that. So the football team is rolling with three straight wins. It's a revenge game for Alex Smith. They're three-point dogs at a neutral field against it's an injury-riddled Niners team. There's just so much that's going against San Fran. So I'm taking the points with Washington plus three and a half. Okay, and to wrap this up, I'm on the Bills minus two. And if Carlo Koliakovo, if you're listening, I uh, I really don't have much to say other than I'm sorry for hating on the Bills for 13 weeks because I have been a Bills hater. I do not believe, I did not believe in Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, but I think that's changing, and I really like their matchup this week against a Pittsburgh Steelers defense. That is banged up. They're missing a lot of guys on defense, and I think that will prove to be a pivotal juncture, a pivotal point in this game uh, when the when the outcome is to be determined. So I'm on the Bills, minus two, and I'm on the Seahawks, minus 13 and a half. Al's brothers on the Washington football team, plus three and a half, and the Colts, minus three, and the Grappler, Green Bay, minus eight, and Houston, minus two. Thank you for being with us this evening on The Edge. You've been listening on TSN 1050, streaming online, tsn1050.ca.